0: This is the Legacy United Methodist Podcast. Good morning, everybody. My name is Don. I'm one of your pastors here at Legacy, and I have the joy of bringing you this message this morning. Last week, we started a new sermon series as we start looking at failures, at fails. Now, fail, failures are a part of life. Everyone has failures at some point. Uh, in, in our lives, some big, some small, some seemingly uh, catastrophic, and there, have, there have been uh, great biblical examples given to us uh, to show us, um, yes, failures come, um, but our God works uh, for healing and wholeness through them. Um, past and, and current failures uh, do not define us. Um, they do not define us where we are, and they do not define our future. This morning, I want to talk to you about the failures that come from fear. Fear is, uh, is the belief that there is something out there uh, that is going to happen, that, that is going to, to get you, uh, that, is, that there is something that, is, that, that you have to control, but is just out of control, that you can't do anything to stop. Uh, there's, a, there's a storm of life that is coming, and it's going to destroy you or, or what you have or, or, or what you love. These fears often leave us in a very, a very bad place in our lives. They can plunge us into into a dark hole of depression and anxiety and stress. King David describes fear this way in Psalms 55. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. My heart pounds in my chest and terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. Now that's a pretty good description of what I feel when I am fearful. But fear is not from God. To fear, to be afraid, it was not part of Adam and Eve's vocabulary even um, in their experience in paradise before sin. Fear does not come from God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Fear is something caused by Satan through the lies that he plants in people's heads that they then believe. Now, after Adam and Eve ate from the only tree in the entire garden that was forbidden, that was off-limits, they ran and hid from God when they heard him coming. God calls out to Adam and asks, "Where Adam, where are you?" And in Genesis 3:10, it says that Adam replied, "I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked." God answers back to him, "Who told you you were naked?" Basically saying, who said you could be afraid? How do you know to be afraid? It was never part of their life. But now fear has taken over. Adam and Eve were part of this amazing thing God had done, this creation. And in a moment, in a moment, they forgot it all. And they listened to evil we so easily can do the same thing, can't we? We know what God has done in our lives. We, re- we remember the miracles that have happened. We, we witness God working through ways that we-, we didn't even imagine were possible. But then we come up against that next big thing, and we only listen to the, the negative being told us, and fear takes over. Now, this is what happened to the prophet Elijah. And Elijah is the biblical um, character we're going to look at today. Elijah was one of the big prophets. If you look through the Bible, there's several big prophets. And Elijah is one of the big prophets we're going to look at today. Now, we first hear about Elijah in 1 Kings, starting in chapter 17. Now, the first time we're introduced to Elijah, um, God has sent him to chew out a king. Um, my kind of guy. Now, we don't know anything really about him before this time. Um, And the the first contact we have is when he is going to go and talk to King Ahab. Now, King Ahab is not a good king. In fact, he comes from a line of bad kings, seven of them, uh, actually, and each king was worse than the king before them, making King Ahab absolutely the worst king of them all. And God had had enough of all the wicked and evil things that he was doing. So he sent Elijah to go talk to King King Ahab and tell him what was going to happen to his kingdom because of all the evil that he was doing. And Elijah tells the king, (coughs) I shut it off, turn it the wrong way. Elijah tells the king, he says, Surely as, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew, there will be no rain for the next several years until I give the word. Way to make friends, right? Right after he had given this message to the king, God told Elijah, he says, Maybe you should leave town for a while. He said, You need to leave. He said... Now, being a prophet was not always a safe job. People, kings, cities you went to and and talked to, usually you, you were giving them an important message from God, and it usually was to chew them out because of things that they were doing wrong. So Elijah went where God had told him to go. He left town. Now, where he went, God took care of him. And now, this is really a pretty cool story, and you can read about this in in chapter 17 of verse Kings, but God sent him to this place, and there was a nice brook with nice running water there, and God sent ravens every morning and every night to bring him food in this place. Now, after some time, though, this, this brook dries up, again, because there has been no rain in the area. So God tells Elijah to go to this nearby village and ask This widow, there's a certain widow there for a cup of water and a loaf of bread. Now, again, there had been no rain. There had been no rain. Things were drying up. No one had much of of anything. This woman says, she's like, look, I only have a little bit. I have just a little bit for me and for my family. But Elijah says, please, just, just make the bread. So she does. And after she she makes the bread, she takes the flour and the oil. You know, those containers, every time she went back to it after that, there was always flour. There was always oil in those containers. That happened for three years. Three years of always going back to those containers. God always filled them with flour and with oil. Also, what happened during this time when Elijah stayed with this widow... One of her sons died. So Elijah went and prayed, and God brought that son back to life. Miracles happened during this time. Amazing things that God was doing through Elijah during this time. Now in the third year of this drought, God said to Elijah, he says, go back and tell King Ahab that I will soon send rain. When he meets the king. the king tries to blame Elijah for all this negative stuff, all the, the drought and all the famine, all the bad things that were happening in his ki- kingdom. And Elijah tells the king, he says, no. no. This is all happening because of you and the wicked things that you are doing. He says, you don't worship God. Instead, you follow these, these false prophets of Baal. Elijah says to the king, he says, king, he goes, you bring your 450 prophets false prophets of Baal, 450 false prophets. He goes, you bring them. He goes, bring all the people of Israel, and let's see whose God has power. Many of you may know this story, but they all gathered together. They all gathered together. And Elijah says, well, your prophets can go first. So these 450 prophets, they gathered together, they stacked the wood they bring a bull to be sacrificed, and they lay the bull on top, of the, on top of the wood, and they start to yell to their gods to send down fire to burn up their sacrifice, but nothing happens. They start early in the morning, and they go all day long, but nothing happens. About midday, Elijah starts to make fun of them. He goes, maybe you should shout louder. He goes, maybe your, maybe your prophet or maybe your God is daydreaming, Maybe he's out relieving himself. Maybe he's away on a trip. Maybe he's asleep and needs to be awakened. Nothing happens. Finally, it's evening time, and Elijah calls the people to crowd around him. And they move closer to him. And the first thing that Elijah does is he he repairs the stone altar that had been torn down. Then he digs a big trench around the altar, a deep trench. And he piles the wood on the altar, and he brings the bull sacrifice and puts it on top of the wood. Then he, had peop- then he had the people there do a very strange thing, and he had them take four large jars. And now these jars are not just five-gallon jars. They stand about this tall and are huge. Take four of those and dump water, fill them with water, and dump them on the altar. And he had him do that three times. There was so much water that it filled up the trench that was around the altar. Then Elijah walked up to the altar, and he says, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today, prove today you are the God in Israel, and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this as you have commanded. And immediately, immediately a fire comes down from heaven. It came down and burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood. It even burned up the stone altar. It burned up all the dust on the ground. It even dried up all the water in the trench. Everything was gone. Everybody who watched immediately fell on the ground face down and worshiped God. Said, Lord, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Then he turned to King Ahab and he said, you need to get something to eat and drink and get ready for the rain to come. Miracle after miracle after an amazing miracle happened through Elijah. But then, in what seems like a blink, he forgot how God had saved him, protected him, guided him, proved to him he forgot all that God had done through him. In a blink. You see, Ahab had, had gone home that night, and he told his wife, Jezebel, everything Elijah had done. Well, maybe I should have also mentioned that Elijah killed all 450 prophets of Baal, killed them all. And Jezebel, she was just as wicked and evil as her husband was, and she really liked her prophets. So she sent a message to Elijah She sent a message that said, oh, excuse me. She sent a message to Elijah, and that's where we'll pick up our scripture this morning. If you'd like to turn along, we'll be in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 1. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judea, and he left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Instead of turning to God for safety, for comfort, or even to ask what he should do next, Elijah let fear consume him and he ran for his life. Elijah fell into the same trap of Adam and Eve. He was part of all these amazing things, and in a moment he forgot, and he listened to evil. He listened. Elijah, you know Jezebel. Nothing, nothing and no one can escape her revenge. Even God can't be able to save you from her clutches. That happens to us too, doesn't it? The devil fills our minds with lies and half truths, shifts our focus from God to our own human weakness and inabilities and shortcomings. These things are just too big for me. I I can't go on any longer. I can't see how there will be any solution to this problem I'm having. I don't know how I can handle this. This thing is just going to crush me. What did I do to deserve this? Why is God doing this to me? Does any of that sound familiar? And then those negative conversations that we have with ourselves start to continue to bounce around in our heads and and they pull us down into that deep Whole of fear so Elijah ran and hid in the wilderness but God was still with him in verse 5 and he laid down and he slept under a broom tree but as he was sleeping an angel touched him and told him get up and eat he looked around and there beside his head was, it, was some bread baked on a hot stone and a jar of water So he ate and drank and laid down again. Then an angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he slept the night. God sent food and water and had him rest. Then God sent Elijah to another place, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, where he could continue to refresh and renew his spirit. God took care of Elijah's physical, physically and mentally, or spiritually. God had food. God had given him food to eat and rest and even sent him to another place for quiet, quiet, and peace. That's one of the things that has always amazed me about the Methodist denomination, the way they care for their pastors. A perfect example of that is the Dakotas Conference and and how they encourage their pastors, like Pastor Brandon, to take a sabbatical, to take this time off, take time away from work to rest and renew so that he can come back physically and mentally and spiritual ready to continue the work that God has called him to do here at Legacy. When Elijah got to the cave on Mount Sinai, he spent the night and God spoke to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Elijah tells God that basically he's tired and he's scared And God God told him to go stand on the mountain. And something really amazing happened. And you can read about this in verse 11. Elijah, he stood there, and the Lord passed by. He passed by, and this mighty wind hit the mountain. The wind hit the mountain, and it was such a, A terrible blast that the rocks were loosened, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. Sometimes we pray and we ask God to help us do something. God, tell me what to do, and then we wait for some big event to happen to let us know we, we want the earth to move, we want the ground to shake. Lord, send me a burning bush like you did for Moses. But most of the time we need to sit still and listen to that gentle whisper of God. Elijah lost focus of all he knew to be true. He lost the truth. And the truth is, there is nothing that can extinguish faith faster than fear. Because fear makes us turn our eyes away from God. It makes, us, it, 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 it makes what is in front of us just seem so overwhelming. Fear, fear is unbelief, because we start to think that God is not in a position to save us, that God will will not take care of us, that, that the miraculous power of God is limited, and that God will not or cannot make things happen in our situation or that God is not able to change our situations and and put us back on our feet to heal our broken heart, to, to pick us up and to carry us through the darkest times that we are going through. My friends, that is not our God. Our God is the creator of the universe. He is not limited in any way except by our human understanding. I always laugh when I hear somebody say that that God wouldn't do that. Because how do you know? Jesus ate with tax collectors, prostitutes, and, and known sinners. Jesus touched lepers, the sick, and accepted a drink from an adulterer. And at that time, all the religious people are saying, God would not do that. God would not do that. And I think, why wouldn't God do that? Don't give God your human limitations. I know it might not get answered the way you want it to get answered in the way you think it should be done, but don't give God your human limitations. The only way to conquer fear is with faith. The opposite of fear is more than just courage or bravery or, or fearlessness. Fearlessness. The opposite of fear is faith. Fear cannot exist when we believe completely in God and His promises rather than the lies. Fear has no control when we take God at His word and allow the Spirit of God to control our life instead of the spirit of fear. For man it is impossible, but for God everything is possible. Matthew 19, 26. Yeah. The light, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? Psalms 27:1. By the way, that Psalm is written by the same King David who wrote who I read before. It's when we live by faith, that we are able to stand up when hardships come our way. Life will have its hard times. That is because we live in a broken world. Life has its broken, excuse me, life will have its breakdowns in those times. we, We choose to live by fear or by faith. We choose to believe lies or believe God's promises. It's one or the other. It will determine whether we live in despair and fear or faith and hope. My prayer is that we focus on faith and not on fear. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning... And Lord, first we acknowledge the power and the might that you have from the creation of all that is. Lord, we know it is all because of you. And Lord, forgive us for our weakness. Forgive us, Lord, for not pressing in in the times. Of hardship when we know to come to you. But Lord, we, we get so tied up in the limited knowledge that we have. We get lost in what we understand. Lord, help us to grow in the faith and the undeniable truth of who you are. Lord, help us not to let fear control who we are. Help us not to let fear dictate our faith. Help us to love and lean into you in all things. Lord, we ask this in your precious and your holy name. Amen.